This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I don't know if you want to spend 90 seconds on, on the Luke Getzey topic at all. Um, it might be worth it. It might not. Sure. I don't know. I, no, I do. I do think it's worth it because I think a couple of things that, and I, I want to be consistent. You know, I, I look at the lack of a uh, lack of uh, a consistent approach, maybe to the bears game plans, or let, let me say this on Sunday when the bears needed to lean into an identity, and when they needed to go into a, a, a road environment against a very good defense and lean on whatever they do well right and then and, and establish that, I, I think that it was exposed just how how little of an, uh, of an identity this team has established over 14 games. And, and, and it disappointed me, um, I guess, looking at it. I said going into the game, the Bears were one of two teams in the NFL – who are top five in the league in, in run defense and, and rushing offense and the running game outside of Justin Fields, I think will never got a chance to get established against the Browns. I also don't think that there were enough design runs early on for Justin Fields, because I think that there is a correlation between when he starts to run, uh, it, it improves his throwing somehow, or seems to be, he gets in a rhythm or he feels some confidence. So I don't think that Luke gets, had a good day. I'm not convinced he's had a great year. That he's doesn't, not, not. That, that doesn't really say that he is responsible, though, for the limitations that have been, I think, um, consistent with Justin Fields in the passing game. I think two things are true. I think that Justin Fields has not developed as a passer, and we have just talked about enough examples to convince us that maybe it's time to move on. And I think that Luke Getzey has not done a nice job or an effective job of making the most out of his talent and trying to fit maybe a square peg into a round hole earlier in the season and has been inconsistent with his ability to grasp what the bears offenses offensive strengths are and, and maybe uh, lean into those to establish an identity that's still very murky and unclear 14 games into the season. I'll push back very little on that. I will say that I think it's very easy to go photocopy pictures of Luke Getzey's face and throw him on dartboard and, and throw darts at him. That's become the knee-jerk reaction in Chicago. It's the comfortable one. It's the one that makes people feel better because it, it allows them to um, distribute blame on the offensive struggles in a way that that, that doesn't feel so uh, uncomfortable, I guess, to, to the previous conversation we had. It's a huge pie chart for why this offense hasn't gotten off the ground. Right. Luke Getzey has a huge 
slice of that pie. Justin Fields has a huge slice of that pie. Last I checked, though, the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame is filled with a lot more quarterbacks than offensive coordinators. And and so uh, ultimately, you need your quarterback to be the multiplier in adverse situations, and the quarterback hasn't been. So if my conversation on this topic has been more centered on Justin Fields over the course of the season, there's a reason for it, because it's the most important position in the sport that's been well-established. It's the most important position in the sport in the late stages of close games. That's been well-established. I have never been, you know, look like I, I'm being framed now in the in the world of uh, public backlash as, as some sort of Luke gets the apologist. That's not what this is. I take exception when people create false realities that, that he's a finger pointing unaccountable leader of an offense when everyone in the building, assistant coaches, players in the locker room um, would tell you that's not the case, that, that, that there is a, a, a very collective responsibility uh, that Luke takes with, with the way the offense struggles. I think he would be the first to tell you that he hasn't done the job that he has wanted to do here. You just pointed it out. He hasn't had a great season. The quarterback hasn't ascended to the, to the heights we'd, we'd want to ascend to. Um, but it's not taboo to say that. And it's also not, it's also okay to acknowledge that the quarterback you traded up for and drafted in the top 12 picks of a draft is the linchpin of all of this, you know, and, and the one that has to be the, the multiplier. And, and even if you don't have ideal situations with play calling and, and sure, maybe the scheme is limited at times, but Justin has limited himself at times with sure. his own pocket feel with his own pocket presence that the touchdown pass to Joe Flacco <laughs> through to Amari Cooper, you know, like while Justin can make the playoff script off schedule to Cole Komet, I'm not sure he makes that play because it's I, a, I, I it's a throw that. that he wouldn't attempt because he wouldn't, he right. wouldn't trust himself to fit it in that window. He wouldn't have the, calm to be on the move and, and place that ball where it needed to go. And so um, I don't know. I just, I, I, well, like, I'll, I, tell, I, I'll say this, I'll follow up because I, I mean, I, I have been, I don't like being know, vilified for, no, I, for trying to bring that. reason to the conversation. Oh, that I understand bit. that. No. And, and I don't think you should necessarily stand for it, but I, but I think that what happens is that, you know, there are different, everyone's got a role to play in, in the, in the media in, in a football city, the fans and the villains and the heroes and all the things. I think that, um, and I've been guilty of this with, when it comes to Getze. When you hear him um, be as candid as he is on a weekly basis in terms of if you ask him a question about, well, whose responsibility was it on this, uh, miss, this botched third down play? He'll tell you. And a lot of times he'll tell you, you know, Justin missed this or Justin did that. And, and it does over time when you hear only that and – you know, I'm, I'm on the air from 5.30 to 10 every day. I'm not at Hallis Hall as often. And and, and that is a, a product of – it's understandable, but, I mean, it's just a product of the of the, the, the job. Um, you do lack a little bit of context. I'll, I'll admit that. So you, you tend to uh, believe that, boy, another Thursday, Luke Getze is not afraid to label a player as the reason why a play didn't work. And far, far less than I think um, – I, I would expect sometimes he's the one who, who falls on the sword and spares the player. That's not candid. That's probably dis- That's probably not always true, but like a lot of coaches do it. I think he's more willing to talk openly and honestly about what went wrong in a play. And sometimes that implicates a player more directly than many coaches do that. So he leaves an impression. He leaves an impression that Luke Getze – uh, when things aren't going well, is not afraid to blame the player. I I think that has created this perception that he is a a bus tosser, that he will throw players under the bus and he will protect himself. 
that's what happens is because so outside of Halasov and the people who hear him on a regular basis and can probably more accurately or, or uh, depict what he's saying and interpret it, um, guys like, you know, who are on sports talk radio uh, for 20 hours a week tend to maybe latch on to isolate. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast comments and we we form conclusions quicker because we want them to fit into a certain narrative so yeah i mean i, I think we all need to take responsibility for what we've said and maybe the opinions we've tried to form um so I think the truth is somewhere in the middle. I don't think he's a guy that necessarily uh, is a bus tosser, but I also don't think he's a guy that probably willingly accepts uh, responsibility as openly as some other offensive coordinators that I've been around in Chicago. Those narratives get amplified to exaggerated proportions, and then those exaggerated proportions become the reality in a lot of people's minds. And that, that's my job is to kind of push back on that when I am the one that does have the boots on the ground. And I think one of the disconnects here, um, and it, it, it became kind of apparent to me uh, in the conversation I had with Bernstein and Holmes on, on Monday afternoon, is that Luke comes to the podium every Thursday and to be here, you're in a setting where it's, it's just a very comfortable, small gathering, back and forth conversation. I don't think he ever takes a step onto the stage thinking this is lights, camera, action, and I'm speaking to the world here. It's I, I've got I've got 11 people in the seats in front of me, and they're asking me questions about the football game and a specific play, and I'm going to give them uh, the most honest and and nuanced answer I can, and then it gets interpreted outside of here sometimes is bus tossing, as you just said, that, that is, there's, there's no accountability and it's not intended like that. And if you talked to, you know, the, the 20 people that are consistently in this room on a Thursday, I think you'd have 19 of them tell you, no, it's not bus tossing. It's a, it's a coordinator, um, speaking honestly and, and giving you explanations that, that should help the outside audience understand why something failed or why a concept didn't work or why a scheme didn't work. And then, you know, when, I, I, so that that's where I get kind of unnerved because when um, people have a megaphone to create a reality for for an audience, you have to use it very carefully and very responsibly. And I think sometimes it's just, hey, here's the conclusion I drew. I'm going to launch this out to the world and and speak it into existence when there are a lot of different ways to kind of come at it and shine the light on it. Fair enough. I, I do think that 
when I hear that, I understand because I've been on both sides. I've been in that room. I've had relationships with offensive coordinators that, frankly, might have been, you know, not the most prob- probably were as much per- personal and professional than they were professional. And I, and I was I don't want to say compromised, but it's difficult to criticize somebody who you're friends with or you become, you know, friendly with. And I think that's difficult to do. I'm not saying you're doing that, Dan, but, but I, I think the one thing the Bears historically have to do a better job of um, and, and pro sports teams in general, you've got to respect the megaphone and you've got to, it's naive to think that when you are amongst friends or a friendlier crowd and you're basically doing a service to the people in the room, you've got to remember that you're speaking to the fan who's listening to all he's going to get is a soundbite on his car on his way to work and on his way home. And that is somebody you have to be sensitive to as well. It's not ideal and it's not necessarily justifying what you're talking about, but I think it'd be naive to think that all you're talking to, the only people you're talking to are the ones that whose names you know because they're in the room every week asking you questions to be accountable and to explain plays to them when they don't work. So it's it's a little bit of both. And it's, in most cases, I think that, you know, we – uh, with the megaphone, the people who are responsible for shaping perception a lot of times need to be more responsible in understanding the way these things come together. And and I do think that there's an understanding, and I know you do it because you've been around a long time, but like you're not always going to be able to, I don't want to say protect, but it, you know, you're, it, it's it's tough to be objective with with people you come to respect and have relationships with. That's fine. That that's fine. I like. I just. I think overall that that there there's just. Uh, it just became convenient for people to, to 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 turn that into the firestorm that they wanted to to do down the stretch of the season. And then, um, I there. I mean, I, I don't want to drag this out because I, I I do think that there is a a landscape now in our sports conversation that if you scroll through social media, it's all performative. It's all for, right. uh, it's all for the viral clip that, that can, you know, we can have this hour long podcast and somebody's going to take 90 seconds of it, put it on a, on a thing. And and then, you know, it's Emmanuel Acho thinks that the bears are stupid for doing so-and-so, or, you, you right. know, I mean, there's a thousand right. people out there that right. are pumping that. I don't know. I'm off. I just called Luke Getsy a boss, a bus tosser. That's studs going to cut that clip. And it's yeah, gonna right. Yeah. That'd be yeah. perfect. And you'll get, you'll get a lot of support. You'll get a lot of likes on that. And uh, the bottom line is that like, there's, as we've talked about for weeks, there, there's a, a, the very real potential for very significant change here coming within five weeks. 